Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. I am Gerdit Deegan, Creativity and Culture Editor at Campaign. Coming up in today's episode, we'll hear from Leo Burnett's Chaka Sobani and Gareth Butters on how they raised more than a few eyebrows for McDonald's. Then, for creatives Lindsay Atkin will join them to review some of the latest ads. But first, we'll start by discussing some of the latest news with my esteemed colleague Imogen Watson, our work and inspiration editor. So we're recording this podcast on the 8th of March, which marks International Women's Day. Imogen, you have been writing this morning about something that Adam and Eve has, um, is doing. Tell us about that. So they've introduced a global creative jury um, to their She Takes Over, which is an industry-wide initiative that they launched back in 2020. Um, and they launched it as a way to champion women in production um, across photography, filmmaking, musical composition. So the jury itself is made up of creatives from DDB Network and senior figures from She Takes Over Media Partners. And essentially they're going to, they're asking for submissions across five key categories, directors, photographers, illustrators, animators and composers. Um, and they're going to review the work. Um, and then give off, like offer actionable feedback, advice and guidance. And then the winning selection, they're going to promote across social channels. So obviously they've built up She Takes Over over the years. They've got a big social channel there. Um, but they're also going to be there. There's a number of media partners, including Campaign, that they're going to launch across as well. So, yeah, and it also goes a bit further. There's a sort of networking aspect to it where they're going to connect the talent involved with senior creatives. Mm-hmm. And lots of brands have been, um, so not just agencies, obviously agencies have been working with brands to put something out there for International Women's Day. I mean, this is an in- initiative that works well, obviously. Um, but generally, what, what are your thoughts about brands weighing in on International Women's Day? I'm very conflicted and it depends on the mood I'm in because I feel like I can often give them quite a miserable answer to this. So firstly, I, I, I just find it, the thing that I, I find jarring with it is the fact that it's obviously a day to just one day to raise awareness of women's achievements and challenges. And I feel like that's not enough. And it's one of those things I want to be seeing throughout the year. Um, and I think often um, a lot of brands can miss the point. So, you know, when brands rebrand their male brand name to a female equivalent for a month, I don't think that does anything to fix anything. But that said, <laughs> um, I think it's a really good opportunity to do something good. It's a good window for awareness. Um, and I have seen a number of initiatives and campaigns that have done well because they launched something that's going to be ongoing. Um, one of the campaigns that caught my eye today was, um, I don't know if you saw it, it's the English Lionesses. And after the wake of the Euros win, which obviously changed a lot about females in sport and, and trying to get younger girls involved in it. They've been basically trying to urge the government to pass measures to ensure all girls get a chance to play football at school. And so to dovetail with the day, the government has announced that all girls would be granted access to sport, um, to all school sports and schools in England must deliver a minimum of two hours of PE each week. So things like that, I think, are really cool to see because it's actually making a difference and actually affecting government. I know big Lauren, change, yeah, big change big in change. society, yeah. So yeah. I'm not against it completely if it's if it's taking the window of opportunity to highlight things. I'm just sceptical um, of campaigns that, you know, don't have, they're just empty. Yeah, um, and yeah, don't really yeah. Have legs I totally to agree with you, yeah. And I think that's what the point that you made is is longevity. Um, if you're launching an initiative or or something that that kind of plays mm. through more than just a day, mm. um, L'Oreal Paris USA that's another one I was going to mention. They've mm. they've done Women of Worth program for 18 years, and each year they honor 10 women from nonprofit leaders with a 35,000 grant to help advance charitable causes. So 
they've supported 170 women so far. So that's a cool one to see that it's not just a one-off thing that they've launched. It's actually, you know, to keep it going for 18 years is quite commendable. And uh, on campaign, a few of the members of the team have pulled together an article about the women Mm. that we most love. And yours is Jennifer (laughs) Coolidge. Tell us about that. I just said out loud in the office, does does anyone, I I just sort of put it out there, but I said, is there there anyone that doesn't like her? And and it turns out Jamie... (laughs) Yeah, she's not doesn't a fan, like she, her. Yeah. Um, but I just felt she is the moment. I don't know. She's, yes. It's it's a, it's a real story of, you know, when she came into her career, she was just playing these sort of blonde, stiffers mom. mom. Yeah. Like she, this is how she made a career, and she's been really candid and quite, you know, open about the reality of her career. She's sixty one now, um, and during her Golden Globes acceptance speech, she spoke about the fact that it all sort of she wasn't getting any big jobs. There was only so many people out there that were supporting her, and this has given her her work with the White Lotus and as Tanya um, is given her this new beginning. So it's just I think it's such an inspirational story as to it doesn't matter what age you are, keep dreaming. You don't know what's around the corner. Um, yeah. Another story I wanted to touch on is the global hire we reported on last week. Uh, Grey Groups named FCB's Gabriel Schmidt as its global chief creative officer to replace Javier Campopiano. Uh, he's joining later in the year and he will report to the global chief executive, Laura Ma- Manis. Gurdjieff, you spoke with them. What did they have to say? So, yeah, I had a quick call with uh, Laura and Gabrielle. Um, what came across was that Laura wants the agency, as um, hopefully everyone's written, uh, read in my, my story, that she wants the agency to be recognised a global agency of the year, a most loved company in terms of employee experience and the best in the world at winning new business. So that's um, that's quite a... A lot there that yeah. uh, they've got to do. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so she she believes that uh, Gabriel is the best place to help her achieve such goals. Um, and and for him, the main thing that came across in in the interview, um, and of course Laura and probably a lot of our industry are on board with this. Uh, with this is that a, there's a focus on making effective work. And mm. um, we all know like effectiveness um, is definitely like proves um kind of drives business results and in creativity um so yeah so so those are the kind of the big things um that they're going to be focusing on i mean it's early days he's joining i think they said just before can Mm. um but uh that's kind of all we have at the moment on that so yeah you just have to look at his work i mean it's an amazing hire and you just have to look at his work to see mm. how the, he's been behind some of the most arguably some of the most effective campaigns yeah so he's had a long the majority of his career has been at fcb mm. and then and go on you you were going to talk about the yeah the well world. i mean this one needs no introduction but when he was um at fcb new york uh he overseen burger king's um whopper detour um I mean, the reason I say it's no introduction is it literally stormed yeah. every award yeah. everywhere for a number of years. <laughs> um, but it's been described as Burger King's trolling masterpiece. Um, and it took Burger King fans to go to McDonald's and using the geofencing technology to unlock a commotion on the Burger King app whenever they came in 600 feet of the McDonald's uh, restaurant. Yeah. It's quite clever, isn't it? Like, it's very clever. Like yeah. And I think the, the cleverness is in the results. Um, but the fact that they managed to to get 1.5 million app downloads and they generated 3.3 billion impressions. So it's like yeah. any marketer's dreams to get those kind of results. Yeah. Um, it was really smart. 
And then obviously, similarly in the the effectiveness boat, their contract for change. Um, Michelob, yeah. Yeah, mm. and it won the Grand Prix for creative effectiveness. So mm. there you go. Yeah, um, so Laura knows who she's hired. Yeah. What was that, please? <laughs> <laughs> like, look at any of the awards who won for creative effectiveness and we'll, we'll push them across. Uh, yeah, yeah. So a great hire there. That's all we have time for today on news. So thank you, Imogen, for joining us. So next up, we have Chaka Sobani, uh, Global and UK Chief Creative Officer at Leo Burnett, and Gareth Butters, Creative Director, also at Leo Burnett. Welcome. How are you both? Marvellous. (laughs) (laughs) Marvellous. My laugh is because just before we started recording, these guys were just talking, laughing about why Gareth always says marvellous to a how are you question. Okay, let's move on. So today I wanted to talk to you both about the McDonald's ad that was released earlier this year called Raise Your Arches. Gareth, as you're feeling marvellous, why don't you uh, uh, describe the ad for our listeners? Oh, well, okay. So for anybody that hasn't seen it, I mean, it's, it's, uh, a visual representation, if I'm going to go into a plan of speak on this, visual representation of uh, the invitation to get somebody to go to McDonald's via the eyebrows, which have been used in advertising, but we've wanted to really own it with this one, uh, with the, the, the similarity it has to the McDonald's logo. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it came about. Um, and it was just an absolute joy to work on so the ad there's a there's a woman in an office right and she's walking along with a raise of an eyebrow everyone kind of knows they're going to mcdonald's for for lunch i take it yeah i mean it it started off it's almost like um like it happens in real life if somebody says oh we're going to mcdonald's oh i'll come and i'll come oh i'll come and it's it's (laughs) that sort of Pied Piper effect that we kind of have, but but in this ad we just did it through the medium of uh, a double raised eyebrow um, set to yellows. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's have a quick listen. Do you want to, um, Chaka, why don't you tell me how the brief came about? Um, well, we we obviously, we do a, a hell of a lot of work um, for McDonald's and um, we sort of have pillars um, against which all the work is set. Sometimes, obviously, we concentrate on the food when it's to do with sort of promos. Uh, sometimes there are trust campaigns or establishing a new product. And then, obviously, one of the most important sort of pillars that we have is around love and affinity. Um, so sort of reasons why people um, might possibly like the brand and, and how we sort of build that brand love. And we landed on a on a, on a brilliant platform last year um, called Fancy a McDonald's with a sort of really simple insight of is exactly as Gareth said, that um, it's sort of quite a, a, a sort of universal bit of common language. Um, and it happens at certain moments. Again, hopefully as, as Maccas, we sort of know our place in people's lives. Uh, it's never a predominant driver. There are just these beautiful moments where, well, frankly, nothing more than a, than a Maccas will do. Um, so we had our outing last year and it was great. And we had like you know, all those little moments that are like a little me time or, you know, through all the moments that make us smile. Uh, and, it, and it landed really well and the platform landed really well. And this was sort of like the, the difficult second album. And, and this 
one next to me, this Welsh wonder, um, <laughs> up with this absolute blinder. And, and the insight, as we said, that, that an invitation to Maccas is so universal that it almost doesn't need words. And um, it's so rare to be able to find something that just genuinely feels that authentic, feels that real. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not advertising facade and the fact that it's a little behavior really understated and you just sort of raise your eyebrows as a sort of little nod and a wink to like fancy it um and then that's one place to start it off and then obviously this maniac took it to, to where he did and and again just in an in an office environment one person kind of having the thought and how beautifully contagious that is you know what i mean in terms of it's sort of spreading across uh, across the 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 office and then when you add in the ingredient of someone like Edgar Rye bringing his sort of um, vision to it um, and and Butters can talk to that that's Gareth by the way it's his nickname um, <laughs> nickname is his surname but anyway surname yes <laughs> uh, yeah when you add that in it takes something that already looks like a great idea on paper but just adds another dimension to it and gives it musicality mm. and like a choreography and Gives it, I think, when our Macca's work is at its best, there's a sort of a lightness of touch to it and hopefully a bit of joy. I don't mean that to sound arrogant. I think that's when we do it right. And when you you watch or whether it's watching an ad or whether you have any experience with the comms or the advertising, hopefully you just feel a little bit better. It just provides a little lift. So, Gareth, um, do you want to talk to us about a bit how how you how did you tackle this creative creatively? I mean, I'd like to tell you that I went away and like into a cabin in the woods and then went out, like, wrote reams and reams of different ideas. It was the first thing I'd stumbled upon. It was um, from the brief about this, this knowing look. Um, the first place I went was the sort of the double raise of your eyebrows. And then just by chance, the fact that it handily looks like the McDonald's logo. It was one of those, surely somebody's done this before sort of moments. Um, thankfully they hadn't. And, <laughs> And it was it was from that that was the initial thought. I come from an animation background, so I animated the logo. To um, I wanted to find a song with a bomp bomp beat in it that you could do, use as like the hook. Mm. Um, and oh yeah, it was kind of one of the first songs. There was I was uh, there was many that I could have chosen, but oh yeah, just sort of seemed to fit that mood. Um, you know, the fact is used in Ferris Bueller as well as like that ultimate sodic moment that they did so well in that 80s film. It's a banging film that had its banging track. So it really suited what we were trying to do with it. And I remember I showed it to the, the and James and Andy, the creative directors, um, and I instantly they just went, yeah, this is it. This is it. So and everybody got on board with it. That sounds that sounds quite a quick process. Um, as as you went along through the process, did you come across any challenges or anything? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we were just trying to find a script. Um, once I'd had this idea of the logos, how the best way the vehicle to to get it working, um, and I mean, the script start, started. It was always set in an office. It was always um, two girls. You know, it was kind of easy to write into that. It was just then how how big do we go in terms of their, uh, them actually getting out the the office? You know, it could have gone really hyperbolic where it was like people um, sort of abseiling out the office to get there. But I I think we toned it back because we didn't need it because mm-hmm. it, it had such joy in sort of just the song and the, the use of the eyebrows. You didn't need to complicate it. Um, so in terms of stumbling blocks, it wasn't, I wish I could say there was like huge things that we had to overcome, but everything just fell into place really easily. 
And I don't know, that gave us, it sort of galvanized the idea a bit mm-hmm. that we knew that there was onto something because we didn't have to complicate it. I think that's where you where you hit the mark, isn't it? Though, um, where you keep something quite simple, you know it's going to you, you know it's working, but and you don't throw in all these kind of um, big big moments. I guess like abseiling, because yeah, probably having abseiling in it probably may not have uh, probably pushed it too far. And I'm glad that we didn't um, go down that route. And you know, when we took the script to Edgar, it was very it's it was you know it was loose enough that we could give Edgar room to be Edgar, um, which, you know, of course, that's why you get somebody like him involved. But but we sort of always stuck to our guns about um, it not being too complicated. And he he sort of embraced that. He, he fully agreed. So Edgar Wright, this is the the director for the film. How, how um, and he's, he's quite well known, a British filmmaker behind the Cornetto trilogy, Baby Driver, Last Night in Soho. How did you um, come about with choosing Edgar and, and how did that form? I mean... Be honest now. I'll be honest. Oh. <laughs> uh, like Spaced, um, the TV show that he did in like the early 2000s, uh, I dressed up as Halloween characters f- from that. You know, so... <laughs> No way, sorry. <laughs> I'm aware of me dressed you are up hearing as the full-on love affair that, that Gareth has with Edgar Wright. I, I mean, he's just such a he's such an incredible <laughs> filmmaker, and his knowledge of film uh, is astounding by the amount of he knows. Um, but like, as I said in the initial conversations with him, we'd already chosen the music track, which is quite a big gamble when you're working with a director like Edgar because he's so synonymous with choosing such incredible soundtracks. Like Baby Driver, for example, was just, you know, some of the stuff he managed to find from the archives for it was just perfect. So we we actually had a conversation with him about it, and thankfully he loved Yellow beforehand, because that was going to be a bit of a tricky conversation, but he really jumped on board of it. And just what he brings to the party in terms of, as I said, the filmmaking, the craft, mm. the little things that you notice, like the third or fourth time you, you view it, that happened in the background. He was, I mean, he was just a joy to work with. Absolutely. I think sometimes the, the stars just align on a project from start to finish. And um, as Buster said, you know, we could sit here and lie and say it was really torturous. But um, sometimes the best, well, not sometimes, always the best ideas are the most simple ones. Sometimes they can be torturous to get there, but sometimes they can actually be really simple to yeah. get there. And you can get that feeling because of the way that everyone reacts, the way that, as Buster said, you know, everyone reacting internally, but then the partners that want to get involved. And obviously, ongoing and always with Maccas, one, because of hopefully the scale of the brand and kind of where hopefully we are with it creatively, you want to bring the best people in uh, and quite a diverse range of people in for sort of different beats and different sort of tones, uh, depending on obviously what you're talking about. And being able to get the calibre of someone mm. like Edgar, and and as as Gareth said right from the start, just it being smooth, and yeah. him getting the idea because the idea was so simple. But then I think again, to Buster's point, it's it's about the small details, and that's both from 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 Gareth's side in the stuff that he wrote in. I mean, you talked about reining it back. There are some such beautiful little touches in there. It could all have been quite mundane in an office, but it's all the little touches of like from one set of people who sort of like push aside all their laptops and throw them away to someone who's in a meeting and what they do in that. And I love the little reprise moment where the girl who comes back and all of this has happened and she doesn't know what the hell is going on. 
to again one of my favorite moments with the with the cleaner with the mop who sort of does the sort of gladiatorial kind of like chant and, and scream out and that's obviously a collaboration between between butters and and edgar but the things that look the most simple there's still a, a, mm. a shitload of craft obviously it's the most obvious thing in the world to say that goes behind them and Again, there's just kismet moments that it all sort of comes together in the most beautiful way. Plus, he got to on a on a what's it called? Most important, though, he got to meet one of his heroes, yeah, and not frighten him by how much he'd stalked him, obviously, for the past <laughs> decade. <laughs> um, and you mentioned the casting. How how did you um, uh, obviously work with Edgar in terms of casting the right right people for it? I mean, <clears throat> probably the most bizarre casting. <laughs> once, once the initial "Oh my God, Edgar Rice sitting next to me" had passed on day seven, I know it, what happened on the casting was, you know, we getting a lot of interesting people in, but unfortunately, a lot of them couldn't do the eyebrow thing. So, and like some of them would be even going, "Look, I'm doing it," and like, "No, you, you're not, you're not doing it." <laughs> um, so, you know, it's the type of thing you think you'd check before going to a casting that you can actually do it. Maybe look in the mirror. I don't know. <laughs> But Edgar was, I think that was where Edgar was up some of his best, is because obviously he's worked with um, casting some some big names and um, to big Hollywood productions. But he treated every single one that came in uh, exactly like the last one, and he just saw something in some of the characters that we didn't see initially. Um, and you know, when he was getting them to do stuff, um, it was a hard one to cast because it's not like oh how are you delivering this dialogue mm. or how are you going to do this or you know what sort of emotion are you going to show i mean it was the choreograph and and the eyebrows and and he you know we had to get people doing stuff and at some point you were thinking god he's gone really big and, and really extravagant in this sort of like getting people to really dance you know we had somebody doing the caterpillar um but it, what the caterpillar oh my god you know, it was a it was a strange one <laughs> But it, but it was there was all the method in 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 all this that he was just seeing what they could do and really pushed some of them uh, to just see what sort of direction he could get back from them. But it was it was such an interesting process just to watch him get people in and and, and you know a lot of the cast had a bit of um, that sort of fan blur because they were they were suddenly dancing in front of Edgar Wright, which must have been <laughs> quite a real Tuesday morning for them. So do you want to tell us a bit about the activity around the campaign? Because there's it was, it been a lot of kind of um, work around social, hasn't there? Yeah, I mean, it's such a... Eyebrows are sort of social currency already. Um, so it was just leapfrogging onto that sort of behaviour. You know, we did a lot of work with um, sort of TikTok and Instagram. There was, we made filters, which um, for the, the people that are a little bit... Mm, not able to do the eyebrow action, you know. If the, if they're a bit defunct in that department, they actually the filters raise them for you. Um, so it was just giving toolkits to the public rather than than actually like going really hard or or putting loads of money into like influencers and stuff. We did do that, but we wanted to try and get as much organic growth on it. I think one of the things that that, that again, hopefully, when we we do sort of proper sort of surround sound campaigns we, we do at our best with Maccas is when there's sort of acts of generosity and just entertainment by generosity I mean just stuff that's put out for people to enjoy and muck about with and when you've got an idea like raise your arches which is as Gareth said is just all about your 
blooming eyebrows. You just want people to have a bit of a laugh with it and not overthink it and intellectualize mm. about it and stuff um, and let people muck about. And if you if you go onto TikTok and you put in uh, Raise Your Arches McDonald's, I, I cannot, t- there's just thousands of people who've used the filter in all different scenarios. What's really cool as well is that there's loads of um, Macca's crew uh, who have used it. They've made videos of their own using the track. Um, and also then on a, from, from our point of view as, as Leo's, what's been amazing is we obviously the, 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 we take care of the account in the UK. It's one of our biggest uh, accounts and one of the ones that we're most proud of uh, in terms of our relationship and the work that we create. But also as Leo's as a whole, we, we are obviously are responsible for Maccas in a number of markets globally. And um, we started sharing it with a number of markets. And one of the best moments was uh, it, we, we had this in, in the bank for about four months um, before it launched at the beginning of the year. And when a few of the markets, it was adopted by by over 35 markets um, as a campaign and um, out in the Middle East, it was actually remade um, to be sort of culturally on point. And it's one of the most amazing pieces you'll see. And that's when you know you've got you've got something really sticky culturally, obviously, for the UK. But when you hit on, uh, I think, you know, those genuine global insights for the brand um, they really can travel. And who would have thunk it that you'd have people from literally every far-fung place on the earth um, doing eyebrows at yeah. McDonald's? It's awesome. Honestly, go check it out. It's really, really cool. Yeah, there was there was something in Hong Kong, I think it was. That, it. And it, they've got a, I mean, a screen which must be the size of... Westfield. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> the size of Sheffield. Um, like this thing must be... The International Space Station must be able to see this. But it's insane just to see... I, always, I still find it weird that you write stuff and people make it. <laughs> but then when it's brought to life by Edgar Wright, and then the other side of the planet, they, they've made it uh, in Dubai. It was just mind-boggling, mm. mind-boggling. What's next for um, this campaign then? Are you able to divulge a bit details? Um, <laughs> well, we can't obviously say yet. I mean, look, the, the, the thing is when you, you land on something like this, obviously it's... Um, it's sort of gold dust, really, and there's there's so much potential in it that that we haven't mined. I don't know what that is yet, to be completely honest, but it's not something that we're going to let go. Um, it's also uh, mildly what's it called? Uh, sort of nerve wracking a bit because it's the second album, and you're like, oh Christ, you know, when something's gone down so well. Um, and actually, we're genuinely we we're, we're, we don't know what it is yet, but we're in the process of figuring out what that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, because when the bars hopefully set so high, the last thing you want to do is sort of disappoint in any shape or form. So, I think it's taking the essence of it, and and again, without overthinking it, trying to sort of yeah rebottle that in some way, in the right way, yeah. and see how it turns up um, either either this year or, or potentially next year. Um, TBC, we'll let you know. Gurdjieff, you know you'll be the first person to see it. I know, thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, it's not. It's certainly not gone away. Um, it's still most certainly got legs and we're going to be mining it and um, and hopefully have something out soon. Perfect, brilliant. And that is all we have time for for this interview. So thank you both. Thank Thanks, you. love. On to the final part of this podcast, I'd like to introduce Lindsay Atkin, Executive Creative Director at Fall Creative. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. So Lindsay is here alongside Chaka and Gareth to review some of the latest work. 
First up, we have Paddy Power. This is the first work from Bartle Bogle Hegarty for the betting brand. It stars former England footballer Peter Crouch and his wife, um, model and presenter Abby Clancy, former EastEnders actor Sean Williamson, uh, Irish actor Colin uh, Meany, and uh, the English and Irish group's uh, friends poke fun at each other, lightheartedly mocking each other countries. Uh, the work was created by Johnny Durgan and directed by Freddie Waters through Pulse Films. Let's have a quick listen before we go into the reviews. What have we got here? Hi, I didn't think you lads would turn up this year. Everyone knows Cheltenham's our patch. You've been punching above your weight for too long. I've been saying that to him for years. <laughs> so the last time you were the winner here, you still had an economy. Okay, so Lindsay, what did you think of the ad? It's quite brutal when you give everybody's names at the start of it because you feel like you're then making personal comments. So it's not at all, but I think the um, it's tricky with Paddy Power, isn't it? Because they've got previous in Cheltenham that's really, really strong. And I think, I think this is fine. I wonder, I wonder if it just feels a little bit traditional for them. Um, I'm not entirely sure why Barry from EastEnders is uh, in it. <laughs> entirely. I was like, am I missing? Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. So I'm not entirely sure, but I think I think that's the thing for me is that uh, I struggle a bit when you think back to to Chav Tranquilizer with Paddy Power on Cheltenham, which sort of felt like proper satire written from the point of view of someone who really understood the characters and the people who went to Cheltenham. Um, and this maybe doesn't quite feel quite like it gets under the skin of it. Um, I wonder whether the sort of strategy of kind of the English versus the Irish at the at the racing, because obviously, you know, there is loads of sort of authentic cultural stuff there. I, I wonder if that was maybe slightly more interesting than the way perhaps it's been executed, um, I would say. And Chaka, betting woman, are you? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. Um, although I would always bet on Barry from EastEnders. Uh, and <laughs> Lindsay, I don't think anyone ever needs a reason to put Barry from EastEnders into anything. I think actually... That's Where I'm going wrong, Chaka. <laughs> that should be our collective agreement to see uh, how much we can put into that young man's pocket and just make him even more of a national hero than he already is. Um, now, I think I think Lindsay's points are, are, are all really, really good points. I think... Um, I think Paddy Power, not just Paddy Power, but I think as a category, it's a tricky category. And um, particularly to try and get into work that's sort of genuinely entertaining. I think Paddy Power obviously have got great form uh, in that. And um, sort of one of the downsides of having such a strong history is the fact that you're always trying to sort of top yourself. But overall, I mean, I think it's really nice writing. Do you know what I mean? It's a nice sense of banter. Obviously, the casting is fabulous. Who would have thought that... Peter Crouch and Abby Clancy um, would be so good. I've been listening to their podcast recently. You should have a listen. It's bloody brilliant. Mm. Um, but I, I think it's a, I think it's a really tidy piece. I think it's a spot on brand. I think um, it, it works really well for Paddy Power. Uh, really well made. I think, I think it's a great starting point for BBH. So I'm excited to see where they're going to take it, to be honest. And, and not just in terms of this as a construct, but sort of their work for Paddy Power. Gareth? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was a little bit, Confused a little bit. Don't get me wrong. I love Paddy Power advertising, especially being Welsh. Um, I have to back the Celts on this, the Irish side. Having like somebody like Colin Meany talking to Barry Sanders. I mean, that's the, I, I don't. Nobody actually knows his name. He doesn't know his name anymore. He's just Barry from Sanders. 
Tom is his middle name. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's confusing on that, but it's it's lighthearted, and the the audience probably will love it. So I'm not a, a better man anymore. So I I'm not as big a fan as some of the other stuff they've done, but they've done a good job of it. Well, this is BBH's first work um, for Paddy Power, so um, hopefully next one, next iterations will impress a bit more. Um, okay, let's move on to Nando's with This Must Be The Place by New Commercial Arts. As part of a brand refresh, the agency has created a high-energy film showing a group of friends sitting at the back of a bus talking about the recent trip they had to uh, Nando's. The work has been created by Alicia Job and Jess Pacey. It was directed by Jonathan Entwistle through Stink. Let's have a listen. Listen, listen. All right. So at Nando's last night, yeah? Walked straight in like, man needs no menu. Just about to order when Jonesy says, you do nuggets. Literally the whole restaurant starts creasing and Layla says, are you not embarrassed? Then boom, this guy bolts through screaming, man needs water. Gave us gold a serious ick. Big Dan's like, red flag right there. She's like, orange flag more like, brother only ordered a medium. <laughs> Light work. Says the lemon and herba. So Chaka, do you like a cheeky Nando's? I do like a cheeky Nando's actually. Um, I've got to be honest, I get confused in the restaurant, but it's probably because I'm a simple person. Uh, so I always have to do it on a, on a delivery. I'll tell you how bad I am. It's literally down the road from me. So I literally see the delivery guy literally go down the end of my road and then obviously realise where my house is and go, you are an idiot. Uh, and then come and deliver it to me. Um, well, what, wait, hold on. What do you get confused with at the restaurant that you have to go up to order? Yeah, I just, I, listen, I'm a Macca's girl. I like a kiosk. Make it simple for me for goodness sake uh and also obviously i know that the menu of is far better uh and i get very confused by all the di- they've they've taken plainish and now they've done even one below plainish i just get confused that doesn't make any sense very confusing yeah. but anyway um i think do you know what i think um it does a really good job of uh explaining i don't mean this is sort of crunchy as i'm about to say it but explaining the experience at nando's so literally like well from when you walk in um all the different things that you experience and kind of it is more than just sort of walking ordering your chicken and, and sitting down um it's got good energy to it i suppose again I, I'm, I'm always interested to see where people are going to go and when it's a sort of starting block you sort of go great it's sort of it, it's out the blocks um I suppose what's going to be the consistency of the brand so that it becomes sort of commonplace. Cause I don't, I think if you're a Nando's lover, you know, Nando's, uh, I think if you're not, and obviously it's very, I think they're being very specific about the audience that they're talking to. And so it's a, it's a really lovely job. Like I said, in terms of, of strategically being really, really on point, it's got a great energy to it. It's got a lovely casting in it. I suppose my slight thing always when, when it's something is so sort of on the nose for sort of Gen Z and a youth audience is, the authenticity of it. And I think that's always the challenge when you go, we've got all these things to say, we basically need to do, it's, it's almost like a sort of an info bit of like, this is the, this is the experience A to A to Z. Um, and how to put that honestly through the filter of sort of the language and, and kind of culture of younger people. And it just can't ever feel like older people talking to younger people. I don't think it fails on that, by the way. I just, I always have sort of like, you know, it's a feeling thing. But then again, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, so I, I know I'm not the target audience. Gareth, you're nodding there. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think some of the insights, you know, have come from the audience. That, that's not made up stuff. There was a, mm. the real nice insights about like the different kind of flags or the 
the science of the mixing the drinks. These are all nice insights. It's just perhaps the delivery is a little bit less from the audience. So, but I, I, I've got to admit that the way that they've peppered in the talent into it is nice. I mean, they've got Saka in it, haven't they? Yeah. They've got Saka, they've got Grind Granny. Um, it could be, there's, but they've done it nicely. So it's sort of, it's not, doesn't like rest on them. It doesn't hinge on them. It's just really nicely done. Like the look from Saka is just wonderfully put in. It doesn't rely on them too much, but it keeps the interest going. And the first time I saw it was on TikTok. Um, and I, I watched it all. But I think that's the thing they've done nicely is they've, they've pepped them throughout. So it keeps interest going, especially in social. Lindsay, what were your thoughts? I do, yeah, I do think they've used the talent really smartly um, and not relied on them. I think. The, your point about authenticity, Chaka, I think uh, that's where I struggle with it. Like It feels like they've got insights. It does feel a little like they've then sort of ticked them off as they've gone through, but the delivery in particular feels like quite a heavy-handed narrative of how do we get these things into a story and how that story resolves, particularly I'm not sure that I buy. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about Gen Z and kind of like, you know, urban youth culture and all of that, uh, potentially when it's landed in a week that that Nike Cortez ad has landed, you know, the contrast is stark. Um, And I think one feels full of life and totally of the audience, the nuance and the characters. And I just feel like this one misses the mark in terms of authenticity. And I don't, doesn't feel like it's of, doesn't feel like it's of the audience for me. Okay, so next up we have Asda with Romaine Calm by Havas London. The tactical press ad plays on the UK's food shortages and was placed in the sun underneath a story about supermarkets running out of turnips. Um, It was created by Daisy Bard and Orla O'Connor. So Gareth, are you a fan of lettuce? (laughs) To be honest, I love love a pun when it's used well and... uh, I'm going to use one myself. It's a little gem, this. Um, I, no, it's, it's really well done. It's nice to see, like, the turnaround time of it was was incredible for, for the guys. It, it kind of reminds me of, like, the Mary Whitehouse version of the KFC FCK bucket. But, you know, talking to the audience, I think it does a really nice job for it. Nicely done, not overly art-directed. Nice bit of cop underneath. It's great for that. Chaka? Uh, yeah, I I agree, and and particularly with the the comparison to the um to the KFC work um and and how that popped in terms of a, a problem and how you uh, address it with a bit of freshness. No freshness is a pun on lettuces, probably not, but um, simplicity again, just and and I think shows the fact that even just a simple print ad can still be really really creative and and just raise a smile give a sense of personality to the brand. We, we've recently, uh, very, very recently started working with Morrison's and um, that's one of the things we're really interested in is is like how do you react to obviously stuff that's going on in the world from the point of view, obviously from the brand. Um, it's a really nice job. It's, they've done a really, really nice job and it's on point. And, and I, I hope we see more. Well, hopefully it's not about shortages again, but in terms of, um, yeah, just just getting a tone right, I suppose, and and having a point of view to things that are happening that are relevant to Asda as a brand. I thought it was on point. Yeah, really nice, really nice. Lindsay, yeah, I think um, I think Asda have kind of you know in the last however many months, um, there's kind of that 
that ability to to kind of be aware and to add to culture you know the the, the hijacking of elf at christmas to, to great effect and to great sort of public love i think is a really good example of that this is super timely um decent pun i think it would have made people really really like asda raise a smile at home um i think in that um i think in that way yeah kind of kind of job done a question upon on pick of the week but that's just me and maybe we just need to raise and maybe that's on us as an industry and maybe smart headlines aren't as common as they used to be um which makes this you know do you hold it up as that thing because you know the the, the stuff to judge it against isn't as day-to-day as it once was or should be but um but yeah i think in terms of making people uh, begin to ASDA at home. Yeah, as I said, I think it's a very, very simple way of doing that. Next, we have HSBC with F Word by Wonderman Thompson. Comedian Richard Iodi is back and travelling around the world. Every time he says the word fee, it is censored out with a beep of a card machine as he pays for the goods. The campaign was created by Alexandra Binding and Connor Daly. It was directed by Big Red Button Through Blink. Let's have a quick listen. Fees. <gasps> The F word and travel. With an HSBC Global Money account, you can drop fees from Acapulco to Zurich. That means no fees here. Here and again. Okay. Thanks, Heidi. No fees here. Chaka, what did you think? I liked it. It's a, it's a, it's a, listen, it's a, it's a really solid piece. Richard is obviously a key piece of talent for HSBC. Uh, financial brands, it's tricky to sort of. Um, humanize them i think he's a really bloody smart choice and obviously um the work around brexit i thought was absolutely bloody exemplary it was absolutely brilliant and on point and a brand that had a point of view um and and talked to it really openly when a lot of brands particularly financial brands certainly were sort of shying away um again i think from a brief point of view you could look at this and sort of think it's quite dry it's ultimately it's about fees um, and they've given it a nice little twist, you know, and the bleep out and it's just smart. It's a nice bit of writing. I, th- I think we take it for granted when um, brands use talent like, oh, it's job done. And it's obviously not. And Lindsay can talk to this obviously far more when you're writing for talent. Bloody hell, you've got to get it right. Otherwise, actually, it can be an absolute stinker. What did you think, Gareth? I like the sort of the, the device of using the, the bleep. To, to bleep out the fees word. I think if you've got something like writing to him, perhaps lean into him a bit more. Um, and he, I don't know, there's some restraint, I think, that they've been used, that has been adopted in it. And I don't know whether it's from, you know, it's a bank at the end of the day, which is, you know, hard to, to write to. So perhaps it's from the client side, perhaps it's from the agent side, perhaps it's a bit of both. But I think it could have been a bit more, bit more richer. Lindsay? Yeah, I like it. I agree. I think it's uh, it's a good vehicle um, and I think it, it serves the whole thing really well. Again, you know, I agree. I think someone like um, Rich Diode is a bit of a, a bit of a gift as far as faces for brands go. And um, and he does, you know, he, he definitely does have a particular beat and it does feel like it's been written to. I actually think the restraint in some of the writing is is strong. Um, I think, you know, the writing's good throughout. I think the jokes are good. You know, I'm particularly, particularly charmed by the sort of hot dog man and the, um, and actually the time, the time in the edit that is given to that sort of like pop it talisman moment, you know, for a bank, I think actually they've, 
um, they've taught them into that well, I think, because it's just it's just that edge of oddness which is right for Richard. Uh, sort of of the bunch, actually, you know, it's the banking out of this lot that 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 does it for me, surprisingly. Okay, thank you, Lindsay, Chaka, and Gareth, and also Imogen, who joined us earlier on the podcast. That is all we have time for today. If you would like to learn more about what we have been discussing today, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are also available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. A big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager, Nav Pal, and also our producer, Lindsay Riley from Rethink Audio. And also to you for listening. I hope you will join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye. Goodbye.